Jeff, you doing all right, man? So our uh, our topic of discussion today, I'm going to go ahead and read Luke chapter two, uh, verse fifty-two. Luke chapter two, verse fifty-two. Um, we kind of understand the context of of where we are in this, but uh, in my translation, it says Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and all the people. At this point in Jesus' life, we know that uh, Jesus had. He was away from his parents at the time. They didn't know where he was. And uh, it was right... Well, his parents had just went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. Um, He was 12 years old. And on their way back uh, home to Nazareth, uh, his parents didn't see him anymore. Uh, But he was was with those uh, in the temple. He was sitting among the religious teachers and he was asking them... He was asking them questions, right? Or he, he was listening to them and asking them, and uh, and all and it says in my in my translation in verse forty seven, all who heard were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Um, I think it's interesting that his mother said to him, "Why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been so frantic searching for you everywhere." And Jesus says, "Why do you need to search? Didn't you know that I must be about my father's house, or that I must be in my father's house?" Some translations say, "I must be about my father's business." Um, what I'm supposed to talk about says mine is growing in wisdom. I just wanted to make sure we were on the same page. Um, I, I think something I, I remember learning this this verse when I was in elementary school. We had the little memory verse cards, and you got a sticker if you showed up, and if you were able to say Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and man. It that's that's one of those that just kind of rings true, and I'm sure a bunch of kids now could probably recite that. But I think. Something we can learn uh, from Jesus is that um, wisdom isn't something that that you are just born with. Wisdom isn't something that that you're just given on this earth by yourself. Wisdom is something that you have to be intentional about to actually take hold of, right? I think if if we all take into consideration... If you can, if you think of wisdom right now, if you you probably can envision somebody in your head that you know, or somebody that that you have uh, coming into into just viewing their knowledge and their understanding. Um, but it's important for us to understand that in order for us to have wisdom, we've got to intentionally seek that. For example, actually, this is more of a worldly kind of wisdom, and I'll, I'll tie this in later. Um, Right now, I'm in the process of studying to become a CPA. I've been at it for like a year and a half now. I'm still not done. Uh, but I've intentionally had to go out and learn all this stuff, fill my head with how to build financial statements and report on those, all that fun stuff. So maybe in like two years from now, I can do your taxes. But I, I've had to intentionally go out and learn how to do this stuff. And I'm sure, just like everybody else, some of us went to college, some of us learned our profession, even if you haven't, whatever you do in this life, you've intentionally gone and you've learned how to do it. You've inquired wisdom about it, and those of you who are retired can safely say, I learned all that I needed to about what I did. You're intentional about gaining that wisdom, right? It wasn't something that, that you woke up with and you just understood. It wasn't something that you were born with. You had to intentionally work to obtain that wisdom, Right? I think something that, that we, we tend to forget in, in obtaining wisdom in this world, we, um, I think especially in my generation, we expect it to just be given to us. 
We don't expect to go looking for that wisdom. But I think it's also safe to say that there's wisdom in this world that in the long run of life is going to be absolutely useless. Now, I'm going to come back to that. But something that we need to gather from, from this story is that Jesus was intentional about seeking wisdom about His Father. Now, how many of us here can safely say that, that we, with the same diligence that Jesus had, we sought wisdom? We sought to know more about God. We intentionally took our lives and we sought to know more about the Father. Jesus, at a young age, took that step and said, I want to know more about the Father. There are those of us who have probably been a Christian for many, many years. And I think we could safely say that there... I mean, I'll be the first to say I've not intentionally had this kind of zeal to want to know more about the Father like Jesus did. So that being said, there's a kind of wisdom that, that we're talking about that has nothing to do with this world. So I, I just want to ask an open-ended question. You can raise your hand. You can speak up. Man, woman, whoever. Uh, where does wisdom come from? From where... From God. Thank you, Roy. From God is the correct answer. Does anybody, can anybody give an example of where God gave wisdom? Who? Solomon. The great King Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3. We see that Solomon prayed for wisdom to lead his nation in the right way, the way that God would have it. And God blessed him because it, it says in 1 Kings 3, you know, Solomon, you didn't ask for riches. Solomon, you didn't ask for wealth. Solomon, you asked for wisdom and I'm going to grant it to you. When we diligently seek for wisdom, the way that we go about it is we ask for God to give us that wisdom intentionally. And I firmly believe that God gives us paths in order to do that. If you flip over to James chapter 1, in verse 5, James tells us, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask Him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. If, we see, if, if wisdom is legitimately what we seek, intentionally asking God for that wisdom will provide it. And I believe that God provides doors in order for us to obtain that wisdom throughout our life. Now, do I believe that if God wanted to give us wisdom like He gave Solomon, that it could happen? Absolutely, I do. Because God is God and I am not. I believe that God has the ability to give us wisdom to know Him. But I think that we have to draw this conclusion too, that if we want to grow in wisdom, we need to be growing in the right kind of wisdom. There are a lot of us out here that have knowledge, deep knowledge about things that on the day of judgment, God is not going to care about. I've spent a lot of time learning about how to be an accountant. At the end of the day, do you think, when I stand before God, do you think He's going to care at all about how much I learned about being an accountant? Donnie Jean's been in banking for a long time. On the Day of Judgment, Johnny, do you think God's going to look at you and say, wow, you were such a great banker? He's not going to care. The only kind of wisdom that God is going to have any kind of, of, of deep want for us to have is knowledge about Him and about His Father. 
So for us to grow in wisdom, it has nothing to do with anything that we could obtain in this, in this world. Wisdom that, that is of this world. The wisdom that God cares about is wisdom of the Father. The kind of wisdom that, that God gave Solomon to rule with, with, with God's help. And if we want to grow in that kind of wisdom, it's not something that, that we can just sit and, and wait for. If we truly want to grow in wisdom to grow up from being that infant that we were at baptism and growing into a mature Christian, we've got to take the step in order for us to be intentional. Because Christ didn't go and, and expect to, to know all the answers. Christ made an example to stay and to listen and to grow in wisdom with those who could inform Him. I truly believe that God worked through those people in order to give Jesus even more understanding than they were already feeding to those leaders. So the important lesson for us to understand, if we're going to grow in wisdom, we've got to, be, to not be comfortable where we are now, but to be intentional and learn more about who God is and, and learn more about the paths that God has for us. Wisdom is not ever going to be something that's, that, that is just going to be gifted to us overnight like it was with Solomon. I, I believe that if we ask the Father for that wisdom, that wisdom will come in time. But it takes us intentionally seeking that wisdom. And it takes us wanting to get out of our own comfort and our own conformity to this world and us seeking for God's wisdom. There are many ways we can do that. I know that my seven minutes is probably almost up. But it takes us not just being humans in the world. It takes us being intentional and seeking for that wisdom in order for us to grow in it. I guess you see where they stuck the old man right in the middle between the two young ones there. And then before I get up here, Bill Shadell comes. The last two times Bill Shadell has come up to me and went, keep it short. <laughs> Which I took that for ten minutes. Bill, here's the deal. If I go above ten minutes, raise one hand. If I go twenty minutes, raise both hands. If I go thirty minutes, stand up and wave both hands. Yeah? All right, that's the deal. Never grow old. Good song, Brad. You know, if you're working with, with kids, children of various ages, you need to know a little bit of something about growth patterns, how they grow and how they mature and what they learn uh, during those stages of, of growth. I don't care if you're a teacher or a minister, a youth minister, coach, or whatever. When you're working with kids, let's say a camp administrator, when you're working with these kids, you need to know what to look for, and if something's a little bit out of order, for instance, let's, stay, let's look at the first stage of human growth and development, which is infancy. And I'm going to, it's depending on where you look and what you read, it's going to vary about these various stages. I think I'm going to look at about six different stages on human growth and development. Chief Phillips, you know, and a lot of educators in here, when you uh, got that degree in education, you had to take human growth and development. And if you're working K three K through three, chances are you took childhood development, early childhood development, or you might have taken uh, several other courses that would help you to understand about these students that you're going to be working with. So I'm going to hit these uh, some of these infancy course. Best way to remember the first one and the last one infancy is babyhood, and the last one that you talk about there is adulthood. There's the two hoods. Then you got these group grouped in the middle there. Infancy from birth to one year of age. 
A lot of things take place during that time, mostly about eating and sleeping and crying. And most of the crying is, I want something else to eat. Now, if they're crying and crying and crying, or if you feed them something else to eat, chances are they're sick, hurting. Now, you know, we might put off going to the doctor ourselves, but if our kids or grandkids are feeling bad, we try to get them some help quickly, get them to the doctor and see what's going on. And during growth, if they don't grow off like they need to, if they're not looking around observing things, if they're not getting the stature, the height that they need to get, we try to get them some help. We expect them to grow off. A toddler, two to three years of age, that'd be the next age group. Toddlers, some of you may refer to them looking back as a terrible twos, the two and three years old. But you know, looking back right now, after you experienced that, that's a beautiful time, wasn't it? It'll be a beautiful time to remember. Uh, of course, after that, the early early childhood, preschoolers, four to five, that's when uh, a lot of development takes place as far as stature goes. Kids can learn so much at the age of, say, three and four years of age. It's unreal at the ability that children have at early ages. Unreal. They learn generally probably more during that little bracket of time than any other time in their lives. You say, how can that be? Well, look it up. You'll see. Then, uh, then you got your childhood years. Uh, some say they break it up into two, like childhood, early childhood, and later childhood. Some groups, uh, generally, it's like six to nine years of age. Uh, adolescence it covers a broad area from 10 to 18, and the American Health Organization uses that, 10 to 18, because that's when uh, puberty is included in there. 13 to 15 is puberty. That's when uh, lots of things take place, emotional changes, physical changes, social changes. Lots of things take place during that 13 to 15. Boys are growing up, and they're looking at these girls saying, why is she bigger than I am? You know, it's hard to grasp, get a handle on it. Then after about 15, the boys get a quick spurt of growth and get ahead of them. It's a time when girls start developing into young women and, men, and the boys start developing into young men. Physical changes, voice changes, and like I say, some, some of the changes are hard to deal with at that age. But major changes are taking place during that adolescent uh, period especially during the puberty years, 13 to 15. We start to become more and more aware of our height probably during that time because, again, we watch others grow up. And you say, well, I'm not growing off maybe like I need to, or you might be real tall. Cooper, where are you? You might look down and say, well, I'm up here pretty tall. So, you know, everybody grows off differently. Some mature quicker than others. So we expect some stature, some, we're going to call it latitude. No, we're going to call it what? We're going to call it a vertical, longitude. You know, we're expecting that longitude, that vertical growth, and when we're getting a certain age, we start seeing that latitude growth that we wish we could back off on a little bit, don't we? But we expect the vertical growth as we mature. I always thought I wanted to be, when I was growing up, I and uh, I know we used to get in the doorway or against the wall and get you a ruler or something, you know, hold against your head, and somebody would mark it, make sure it's good and level, or a book. And then every so often you go back up there and you look at that mark and see how much you've grown. I had a student in the sixth grade grew about five or six inches in one year and through a growth spurt. So you know, well, we'd do that. And I always thought, boy, I'd like to be 6'2", 220. Well, I'm here to tell you that I've been up there around 220 three or four times. And this body is not made to handle 220 pounds. 
But I'll never be 6'2", ever. So I can forget that. Then we got adulthood from 18 until death. Now that sounds kind of morbid. But it don't have to be. Because every one of us are going to die. But if you look at the bright side of it, we can do some things there. We can't change our physical growth. We can't change that stature, our height. But we can do something about our spiritual growth. We're going to get into that just in a second. So uh, just think about the age of 18. Some of you are right about that age right now. Some of you haven't attained that yet. Some are above that. George and Gracie Burns. How many of you, raise your hand if you remember George and Gracie Burns. George Burns and Gracie were a uh, comedy team. Started out in radio and then TV and movies and all that. George lived to be a little over 100 years of age. Gracie died way before them. Good team. I mean, good, clean comedy. George Burns in Nashville back in, he's about 85 years of age back in the 80s. was in Nashville. I believe it's the Grand Ole Opry. He sang a song, I Wish I Was 18 Again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some of the lyrics. Now, I'm not going to sing this song because I don't want you going out here and say, Larry Davis got up there and spoke a little bit at church Sunday evening during worship and sang a country song. So I'm not going to do that, but I am going to read it to you. I like the song. I like the way George, uh, uh, George Burns sang the song. I'm just going to read one of the verses. Now time turns the pages, and old life goes so fast. The years turn to black hair all gray. I've talked to some young, young folks. Hey, they don't understand the words this old man has to say. Chorus. I wish I was 18 again and going where I've never been. But old folks and old oaks, standing tall, just pretend. I wish I was 18 again. Oh, I wish I was 18 again. If you're over 18 years of, old, of age, you can forget about backing up. You can't back up and be 18 again, can you? Nope, can't change that. It's a done deal. So what can we do if... You know, stature-wise, we're going to be whatever we're going to be, and that's it. Can't do, can't do anything about our physical, physical growth, but we sure can do something about our spiritual growth. You know, as, as a child of God, we were born again. We were started out as a spiritual babe. We required certain kinds of food, mostly milk and a little soft food and all that. And, but we're not expected to stay in that stage as a spiritual babe. We're expected to grow, grow and start taking on some more substance there, some meat. And we're, not, we're talking about meat of the Word, God's Word. When we're gaining our physical stature, statue, then we're trying to eat food and all that and trying to get all the height and everything we can, but that's limited. But we can grow, there's no limit to how much we can grow spiritually. And let, keep in mind about that from 18 to the end until death. We can keep on growing spiritually. And we're expected to grow spiritually. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way they should go, and uh, they'll always remember that. I'm going to paraphrase these things. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Bring them up in the nursery and admonition of the Lord. You know, if you do that early on, it has a tendency to stick. And they'll remember it. They might not always do exactly what you want your children to do or grandchildren to do, but they won't forget it. It'll come back, and chances are it's going to pay off in a good way. Proverbs 22, 23, 2. 
uh, talks about some dangers there. One of the seven major dangers about uh, try, when you're trying to stay in good shape and all that, overindulgence. That's something, you know, we could have a big lesson on that, over, overindulgence. Lynn and I stopped at, uh, went to Kentucky this weekend to see some friends, and, and I kept telling her here a year or two ago, I said, we don't ever want to go to an all-you-can-eat place ever, ever again. Because you always try to get your what? Money's worth. And you hurt yourself. Well, we didn't actually literally go overboard too much. But after we left, we, we forgot that pact we had made a long time ago about uh, not doing that. So that's our new pact. Don't do it again. First Timothy 4.8, Paul wrote to the young Timothy there about uh, physical growth compared to spiritual growth. About bodily exercise. Bodily exercise profits little. But spiritual exercise not only helps you now in this life, but in the life to come. Now, he didn't say that physical exercise don't help you. But in comparison to spiritual growth and spiritual exercise, it, it pales. It's a major difference. So we need as Christians then not just to stay there and not grow. We need to grow up. Every one of us, I guarantee, has room to grow more, to grow up, to grow up spiritually. We need to continually feed on God's Word that we can do this. You know, I don't care what your height is, what your stature is. You can grow as tall as you like spiritually. You can grow taller and taller and taller till the very end. When you quit growing, is when should you quit growing spiritually? Only at the end, when you die. So you should never want to quit growing spiritually. Grow till the very end, and we're promised the crown of life, and we can spend eternity with God. And I want to throw this out for you English teachers. You know, uh, the words never and ever. Never means at no time. Ever means at any time. And you put them together, it may not, grammatically it may not be real good, but boy, it help you get a point across. And I used to use that a lot. I'd throw out some bad grammar once in a while because can you get kids' attention if you'll do that? Melanie, can you do that? They'll pick up on that just like that. Then you got their attention. Then maybe you can correct it and move on. But you're trying, it's, it's a good tactic to try to grant, uh, gain attention. Never, ever, ever stop growing in faith. Remember that. Strive for greater spiritual growth every day. Develop a close spiritual relationship with God the Father, with the Holy Spirit, and with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Be a student. Be a student of God's Word. If you're, in, if you're whatever grade level you're in, try to be the best student you can be. Try to be the best student you can be as far as being a child of God and trying to grow spiritually. Never believe that you have been, become fully mature in a spiritual way because you haven't. Even though you look around, you see many that are more spiritually more mature than I'll ever probably hope to be. But they should never give up either. Keep on trying to grow spiritually. You will never be a full-blown, full-grown Christian no matter how much you try. So we need to always make it a point to try to grow spiritually more so every day. Well, the good thing about going last, everything needs to be said has been said. Um, country place. I remember those days well. How many come back from it? How many is here that's uh, got back? I remember it being a great time in my childhood and growing up. 
And as you think about growing tonight, I'm sure there's a lot of growing that goes on at Country Place. And it's always been a special place. Um, I admire these two men. I, Michael came up. I don't guess he had a note, did he? Didn't have a note one. Just came up with a Bible. And I always enjoy hearing Larry speak. We had him speak for the teacher's banquet a, few years, a couple years ago. I always love to hear him speak. Uh, I do want to go back to Luke uh, 2. And if you would open up to 2, uh, starting in verse 41. When we're, in 52 it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. Now, when I think about Jesus, a lot of times I don't think of Him as a baby or as a 12-year-old. I think of Him as an adult. But Jesus had to grow in wisdom and in favor with God and man. So in verse 41, it said every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it, thinking that he was with company. Uh, thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Now, this could tell me a couple of things. I, Jesus evidently was a good boy. I can't get to here at home, and I know I've got children with me. Jesus must have been a well-behaved boy. He, um, they began looking among the relatives and friends and didn't find him. They went back to Jerusalem to look for him. Now, where would our 12-year-olds be if we left them? After three days, they found him in the temple court sitting among the teachers, listening to him and asking him questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Now, this is Jesus growing. This is Jesus as a 12-year-old. He's loving the experience of sitting at the temple and listening to people. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Now, I don't know... How, if, how that translates to how I, me and my wife would react to something like that. But your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. You can imagine the fear. Why were you searching for me, Jesus asked. Don't you know I had to be about my father's house? But they didn't understand what he was saying. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and he was obedient to them. Even Jesus obeyed his parents. He probably, I would, I would guess he got in trouble, you know, at that point. So he obeyed him. They stayed with him. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. She knew she had a good boy. And then in Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor. So as we, as, as we grow our children these days, I think about our duty to be here, to have our children in the Sunday school classes, if they're just patting the Bible, the importance of patting the Bible. I think about the, the uh, experiences for them to come here and to say the books of the Bible, to quote passages of Scripture, to quote the Judges, to quote all these different commandments. These little children can do it. I got encouraged, uh, I guess last week, you know, you get on you get on Facebook and you see things, and it's not always the most positive things. But I came across John and Lauren Rogers' little girl, Sailor. She's sitting back there. I don't know if she'll be shy. I asked John if I could mention her. Four years old, and she said every book of the Old Testament. 
and that impressed me. And um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm no good at this. I've got little girls, so that means a lot. <clears throat> Third grade, uh, Libby got in the, in the car the other day, <clears throat> started quoting the hundred psalms. I didn't know she knew it. I said, How'd you know that? She said, I learned it in Sunday school class. She was rewarded for it. So you can't tell me the importance of Sunday school class is not important. As they grow older, um, well, I was teaching fifth grade class. Uh, Holt Wagner walks by. It's back in the winter when everybody had the flu. And my girls had the flu. Holt said, is Mason Millie okay? I hadn't seen him at school this week. It's just lots of little things, you know, like that. I'm not sure that our Christian life always is going to be these big Noah's Ark moments or these parting of the sea moments. But I'm sure that our Christian life can be filled with opportunities like that where you just make a simple suggestion, a simple concern for somebody. Um, but things like that help me to see growth in our children in favor with God and man. But sometimes, sometimes we mess up. Sometimes as we get older we do things we shouldn't do. Say things we shouldn't say. The other day, um, I was getting gas, and uh, trying not to go wrong. I was getting gas, and it was a beautiful day, and I was walking back from paying, and I come across the pump to get to my pump. Well, a horn honks at me, and so what's, what's your first response when somebody honks, honks at you? You know, you think you've done something wrong, or you think, what are they doing? Well, I look back, and it's a gray truck with a boat. Sun was shining, couldn't see anything, so uh, Bobby's, Bobby's at it here. Bobby Hollis is, is uh, picking at me. So what do I do? There's several people standing around. I go back and I stand right in front of the pump where he can't pull up to get his boat out of the way and uh, just aggravating him. Well, I finally stand there and he don't move and I just motion for him to come out and to stand here, you know. Let's get it worked out, just cutting up. So never did get out, and I got over there and I started um, pumping gas. The guy pulls up, and it's a um, person with a lot darker skin than Bobby gets out of the truck. <laughs> and he comes over and he says, sir, are we okay? I said, yeah. I said, I thought you was Bobby Hollis. He said, well, I thought you was somebody else. <laughs> And he come over again and said, are you sure we're okay? I said, listen, I'm not picking a fight. I thought we were having fun. <laughs> but anyway, some days you don't grow in favor with, with man. <laughs> I asked my family for suggestions when I had this topic given to me. And, uh, I was eating with Mom and uh, Meyer one day. And their minds almost instantly went back to an in-service day they had at school, and they were saying, don't put all these rules up on the board. You don't have to put all these individual rules. So just put, just do right. 
But if you think about those, just do right, those three words, is it, does it sound hard to do? It doesn't sound hard to do. But a lot of times when we're faced in a certain situation, if you think, just do right, just do the right thing. I had a passage pop up in my head. It's John uh, 21. If you'll, if you'll uh, flip over there for me. It's at John 21. I'm going to start in verse, 20, in, uh, verse 1. I'm sorry. 21, starting in verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to His disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter and Thomas and Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the son of Zebedee, and the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told him. And they said, well, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, they they weren't fishing, I don't think, for entertainment. They're fishing to feed their families, to feed them, to make, to make money. It was a livelihood. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them said, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Now in our life, when somebody tells us, like these guys were good at fishing, and, and all of a sudden somebody on the bank says, hey, why don't you just do it this way? You know, I've, I've got a house full of bowlers, and they love to bowl. Now my wife, she's not a bowler. She's lucky if she hits the door when she walks in. But my girls love to bowl. And I will tell them sometimes certain things to do. And you know what you get sometimes. You get that old... Libby does this. We're working on that. But if these fishermen were good fishermen and somebody all of a sudden said, hey, won't you try this? What would you think? You're out there with your buddies. But who is this guy? What, what do you think he's doing? He don't know more than we do about it. But what did they do? These are disciples now. When they did, uh, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did... They were unable to haul in their net because of large numbers of fish. This tells you how the disciples have grown. They didn't have that attitude. They had the attitude of listening. And then when later on, when they, when they saw that it was Jesus, they couldn't get to Him quick enough. Now, I don't claim to be a great driver. I don't even claim to be a good driver. But my wife gave me a GPS several years ago, and I loved that thing. I knew where I was going to go. I knew what time I was going to get there. I knew how fast I was going. And I felt comfortable with it. And um, I wouldn't hardly go on a trip without it, just because just I like it. Well, we took a group to Heroy down in Rainsy, Mississippi, uh, back last year. And I put the address in my GPS. Went along there, stopped at Dinner Bell to eat, had plenty of time. My GPS said, we're, we're okay. We ate, we left. Greg Hamlin's in the uh, was in the passenger side seat. Is he here? Is he here tonight? He's here. You remember this, don't you? I knew when it happened I'd have a sermon out of it. <laughs> He's sitting there. He said, we're not going to make it. I said, my GPS says we will. He said, I don't think we will. I was following it and we got there and it was getting uh, was five minutes till maybe. And, and Mr. Greg said, we're 20 minutes out. We're not going to make it. My GPS says we'll get there at 6.59. We're going to make it. We got to the road. Greg says, better go right. I said, 
left, we're not a minute away. What did I do? Turn left. We got down there, it was some shack, it wasn't the church, we were lost. I said, Greg, I should have listened to you, you're right. <laughs> um, but do we not do this when God tells us what to do? God tells us simple things to do all the time, and we just think we know a better way, we think we know how to handle it. Don't lie, don't worship any other gods, don't steal. Don't use God's name in vain. Tame the tongue. Don't worry. Control your anger. Honor your parents. Love one another. When possible, get along with all men. These are things God's told us to do. A lot of times we just think we have a better way out. Just do right. One more passage back in Luke, if you don't care to turn over there. Luke 5, verse 4 and 6. When he'd, when he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let your nets down for a catch. Simon said, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. God asked us to do something. Let's just do it. Just do right. If you think about your own life and growing in favor with God and man, how do you rate up? How do, you, how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself growing? We're going to mess up. We're going to mess up many, many times. But it's how you rebound from that. It's how you correct yourself. That good old GPS that I've got, it says, when possible, make a U-turn. <laughs> you have to change your way sometimes. We're going to miss the road. We're going to miss the mark. We're going to do wrong. But it's how you change to correct those things. But thankfully we have opportunities like this tonight. Anytime that the invitation is offered, we have a chance to make things right. If you feel like you haven't been growing in favor, it's not too late. If anyone has any needs or any prayers of the church, come forward as we stand and sing.